Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And all of you who are on the Living Network, uh, which is actually a group of email groups that we set up all across the country and around the world, uh, based on geography, so that you could start meeting people in your local areas and start gathering together, even though you might be hundreds of miles apart, that's better than thousands of miles apart. Because you actually have to love your neighbor as yourself, and you can't do that with an email. <laughs> so anyway, the idea is to create a network of people, because all free societies operated by a system or network of connections made through their local communities and through people who were willing to serve in that free association of people by faith, hope, and charity. And if you have a free association by faith, hope, and charity, and that charity is complete, then you do not incorporate yourself to anyone else and you remain free. If you if you have any other relationship based on natural law, international law, common sense, whatever you want to look at, you're going to start compromising your natural liberties until you do not have them anymore. And so anyway, I just sent off uh, an email to that network, to everybody on that network, and hopefully it'll go through. We'll find out at the break. I'll, I'll check it to see if it went through. And it's going to have a, a, a little URL there that's a connection to a YouTube video by Ron Paul. And it's only a few minutes long. And uh, you can listen to it at the break or wherever or later on after the show is over. But anyway, I I just thought I'd send it because I want to mention a few things that he says in there that is a misconception. You know, I think the guy's a great guy and all that stuff, but he's wrong about some things that he says. And it's 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 not very important, but it is very significant uh, to understand where he's wrong about some things that he says. Now, morally, that's one thing, but just technically, we're going to take a look at that. And the reason I send it is because I'm going to talk about other people who are wrong in the same way, but actually in a much uh, bigger, uh, more damaging uh, way because it actually keeps them from the truth of Christ's gospel. They think they know Christ's gospel, but in reality, they are are, are getting farther and farther away from it. And uh, so we're going to cover all that and a number of other things that I'll be uh, talking to you about in the next couple hours. And uh, so I'll, I'll go back to some of the headlines that I had kind of put together um, just this week. Uh, I I found out that uh, there was an article up that was saying that uh, uh, somebody was writing an article that Kickstart is evil and doing evil. Actually, doing bad things because people are discovering that they can actually implement needs of their society, their community... By these kickstart fundings where people ask you to fund particular projects and people are actually funding these projects 
helping people out, helping them fund, helping them get started to do certain things that is they consider to be valuable for their community. And they are realizing they don't need to wait for government action. They can actually do it themselves. And so the author of this article was thinking, this is evil. Because people are not looking to the government. They're looking to themselves. Now, I mean, this is his rationale. He's thinking that Kickstart is bad because people are finding out that they don't need to wait for government funding. They can actually take care of the business of society themselves because of these evil things like kickstart <laughs> this evil thing called charity is making people become independent of government we cannot have that that's a bad thing <laughs> i mean it's like you know like i i just stand there with my mouth open thinking like what <laughs> people are actually doing for themselves and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And there are people writing articles for big publications saying that that's evil. And I mean, of course, we can go, well, they're going to call good evil and evil good. And, you know, see, they think that it's good that you give power to a few men to force everybody to contribute or whoever they want to contribute and then redistribute that wealth by their own authority. They think that's good. And of course, you know, 50 years ago, if you said you were a socialist and you were going to run for president, you you wouldn't get anywhere. You wouldn't get anywhere near uh, running for president. You'd get hardly any votes. You'd be a, a laughing stock. Now, people running for president of the United States and, and Canada, prime ministers and uh, all these different kinds of offices all around the world, they are vying for the position of claiming to be the best socialist in order to get elected. And of course, this was prophesied 2,000 years ago by everybody from Polybius to Plutarch to John the Baptist to Peter the Apostle that this is what people would do. That uh, I mean, we can go back farther than 2,000 years ago. Go back to Proverbs. Go back to Samuel. First uh, Samuel 8. Uh, it, it's as old as the hills. It, it, let's go back to Nimrod, the mighty provider instead of the Lord. In other words, instead of people helping out one another, caring about one another, being there for one another, which is what a flock of sheep does, you know, I, I've told the story before how a bobcat got into our sheep one time because we let him out early because we had to be somewhere else and there was still a bobcat in the field. Usually the bobcats are out of the field by sunup, but somebody was lagging behind and they attacked the sheep and they grabbed the lamb and they really bit into it and put their claws into it and everything and it injured the lamb. He, we were able to break it up uh, by because uh, we were coming out. Uh, at the same time that somebody else let the sheep out and, and our presence scared the bobcat off. But the sheep could no longer keep up with the rest of the herd going across the desert. It would lag behind and you can't stay with the whole herd and with the sheep. And what happened was a couple of lambs stayed with the injured lamb. They 
they stayed with that lamb as if they had some sort of loyalty rather than go with the rest of the sheep. I'd like to see the sheep do that more often. But generally speaking, they don't do that. They don't stay behind, you know, the no sheep left behind kind of thing that you hear the Marines claiming all the time. Um, but in this case, they did. Uh, we thought that was really great. Uh, but if you if danger comes into the field, all the sheep gather together. Rain sheep do this. Domestic farm flocks don't do this necessarily. They don't do it well. Because they're so used to having somebody else protect them, they don't think about coming together. It's just not in their natural reaction. They've, they've been in caged farm fields too long. So, I don't know if you can follow the analogy there, the parable there, but, you know, I'm telling you a parable of the sheep because that's where you're at. You don't have enough sense to come together and take care of one another. Things like kickstart is just a drop in the bucket where people are beginning to think, well, we can help them out and we can get this started. We don't have to wait for government, etc., etc. There was another item. So anyway, there's a... This is this is where we have to go. This is what Christ was doing. This is what John the Baptist was doing. He said, you know, if you have two coats and your neighbor has none, share. Uh, which was the complete opposite of what Herod was doing. Was sign up for my system of Corbin, uh, Herod the Great, and my system of Corbin, and then everybody will have to pay in their fair share. Nobody will be left behind, and uh, then I will redistribute the wealth for those who are truly in need. Except this gave centralized the power that used to be in the hands of every individual within the community, which is the way Moses had set it up. But now it was set up in the hands of the king. The king was now going to take and take and take and take. He was going to give to his officers, reward them so that he keeps their loyalty and then eventually you're going to cry out because he's going to take so much and give so little back that you will be desperate and God's not even going to hear you in that day. Now, that's that's very clearly stated in 1 Samuel 8. It's stated throughout Proverbs. If you sit and eat with a ruler, in other words, you set your table by the hand of a ruler. If you all want to have one purse. I mean, this is this. Over and over again, the metaphors are there, the explanations are there in the Bible and the Old Testament. Not 2,000 years ago, three, 4,000 years ago, this has been the message from the beginning, from one end of the Bible to the other. That you were to live by free will offerings in the Old Testament, but you were to live by charity in the New Testament. What is the difference between a free will offering and charity? I can tell you the difference between a forced offering a compelled offering by kings and rulers and prime ministers and uh, and pharaohs and nimrods and kings of the world and charity. I can tell you the difference between that, but there is no difference between a free will offering and charity. And if you want to have a free society, it can only, only, only be supported by free will offerings. If your society is not supported by free will offerings, of you know, of people helping one another, loving one another, caring about one another, then you are not free. 
write it down. That's as that's as basic common sense. I don't I don't need a law degree to figure that out. If you have to pay in to your government, your government is not a free government. You're bound by law. You can be thrown into jail. You can be fined. All your property can be taken away. Then you're not free. Okay? That's, I mean, you can, you can have your fireworks on the 4th of July. You can wave the flag. And you stand and put your hand over your chest and say the pledge of allegiance to the flag. But you're not free. Come on. Fast up. Admit it. You're not free. Now, how do you get free? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about, is how you get free. And you, But how did you get enslaved? How did you get in bondage? How do you get... Because there's all kinds of guys say, well, they, there's no law saying that you have to pay income tax. Bunk. There's all kinds of laws that say you have to pay income tax. It's not explained very well to most people, but we explain it. And we show you why you have to pay income tax. But, and you can't get out of it by filing some paper and say, well, I am, I'm a sovereign citizen. Bunk. No, you're not. You haven't been. Your parents haven't been. Chances are your grandparents haven't been. Generation after generation, you have been not free for a long time. But you like to think you're free. Well, you also like to think you're saved because you say you believe in Jesus. But I can show you easily you're not doing what Jesus said. If you're not doing what he said, you're not following him. If you're not following him, why aren't you following him? Because you don't really love him. You love the idea of Jesus. But he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you haven't been doing it. And your parents haven't been doing it. And your grandparents haven't been doing it, depending on how old you are. You might be a really old guy. Maybe your grand, great-grandparents did used to do it. I don't know. <laughs> you could be a really old guy like me. But anyway, we're going to go through this and we're going to show you that you are back into bondage. And we're going to show you how you got there. Because if you don't know how you got to some place, you're not going to be able to find your way back. And that's what we're going to try to do is show you how to find your way back. And that finding your way back is called repenting and seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness rather than your self-righteousness. Now, I'll come back to some of these other little notes that I put down. Uh, I, I got a letter. I've been going back and forth with a guy I've, I've known for a long time. I met him on a tour years ago. He lives back east. And he just does not get the gospel. I mean, I, I mean that's. I mean, he he's very bright guy, very smart guy, very intelligent guy, but he doesn't get the gospel. And, and he just keeps, you know, he's got a lot of the words right and all this kind of stuff, but he doesn't understand some of the very basic things, and it puts a wall, an obstacle between him and the actual truth. And I've gone over this with him and over this with him. And you can see and how, you know, I mean, he says some, some great things, you know. He says, I write the truth in love or ask questions, uh, being desirous of learning more of the truth. 
and being more perfected in love or alternatively calling another's attention to where they may have fallen a bit short, giving them an opportunity to reflect, consider, or reconsider, and humble themselves uh, should our Lord desire it. Well, that sounds great, but that isn't actually what he does. You know, I've had discussions with him. He used to be on our old Yahoo groups, which we still have, and they're still open, and people can go get on them, and they can debate pretty much all they want, as long as they're well-mannered. They can't hijack the group or anything like that. We have another network that is based on this geography, which we call the network or the living network. And uh, that has a particular purpose. That is there to help you form that living network bound by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty, which they talk about in the New Testament, which is what Moses was trying to teach the Israelites while they wandered through the desert. And even was trying to teach them during the plagues and famines that came to Egypt where they were in bondage. And uh, and they depended on this. And the Teutons depended on it. And it is probably one of the most predominant forms of government throughout the history of mankind, although you wouldn't know that if you went to public school. There are, there are books written by scholars today pointing that out. But most people's knowledge of history is so insignificant are so twisted and distorted that they they just don't understand what a free government really is. And that's why in the Bible, it, in the Wycliffe Bible, in the foreword, it says, or introduction, it says that this is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And what they were doing in there, if you go all the way back to even uh, Cain and Abel, you know, Cain was forming a network, but they called it a city. And in that network, your contributions were no longer voluntary. You volunteered when you came into the city, but once you were under that civil authority, that that regulatable authority, you had to pay in. Uh, you you were forced to contribute. That was Cain's city-state. That's Nimrod's city-state. And uh, that was Sodom and Gomorrah. But that wasn't what Abraham was doing. It wasn't what Moses was doing. It wasn't what Zeth was doing. It wasn't what Noah was doing. They were operating in a much different fashion. And they were getting different things done. And they were this other parallel, but usually in a minority society that has been going on throughout history. And you can't change history. History is going to continue to go in a certain way. It repeats itself. There was a fall of Rome. There was a fall of Egypt. There was a fall of Nimrod's Babylon. And now we are in Babylon the Great. You're all in bondage. You've already got the mark of the beast, etc., etc. And don't worry about that. I mean, I will explain that later. We do already on the net. But uh, the point is, you can't change that course of history. I mean, if everybody were to repent and, you know, like Nineveh, maybe you could. But I don't see it happening. But you individually can repent. 
And you can decide what side of history's course you will live out the rest of your life. You can repent, turn around, and go another way. And that's what we're always preaching and showing you what that way is. This individual on the net, he also stated in an earlier letter, I have never bought into the assumption, he calls it an assumption, which is an assumption in himself, that babies are born into bondage by the action of their parents, ignorantly signing birth certificates and applying for the number of the the beast, uh, he says the SSN, uh, for children, for they too were deceived. And it's my conjecture that nobody's being deceived. Not by the government. I mean, they're not, they're not leading you to freedom or liberty. <laughs> they're leading you to service under government. And, and rightfully so, because what has brought people into bondage are two basic things. Actually, there's a number of them. We'll go through some of them. But two basic things, and this is what was prophesied in the New Testament that would cause you to be again entangled in this mire and in, in this, uh, and the dog returning to the vomit and, and entangled in the elements of the world, they say, and we explain all this in articles on the internet, was two things. Covetousness and sloth. Those two things. Now, covetousness is when you desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor. You want somebody to come and force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare and to entice your neighbor into some sort of contractual agreement where your neighbor has to contribute to your welfare, whether he likes to or not, he has to do it. And those benefits are provided by men who will call themselves benefactors, but they're really not benefactors. They just call themselves that because they're not the one. They're not taking money out of their pocket. They're taking money out of your neighbor's pocket. To provide you with benefits. Now, if you're in any kind of a system like that, like Canada, Australia, the United States, uh, Sweden, Norway, uh, Denmark, uh, France, uh, Soviet Union, any of these countries, China, any of those countries, if they operate that way, where they take from your neighbor to provide you with benefits, take from your neighbor by force, then those communities, those governments, those societies are not Christian. Period. Because they're not following Christ. They're not following John the Baptist. They see people have a need and they ask men who exercise authority to take away from their neighbor to provide that neighbor with a need. They're not even doing it for themselves. They they see some poor guy in the ditch and they say, well, somebody should take care of them. Let's tax the local community. Let's tax our neighbors. Everybody will pay their fair share and we'll make sure that guy is not in the ditch anymore. That was not what the Good Samaritan did. That is not following Christ. That is not the ways of Christ, Moses, Abraham, or any of the prophets of God. That is not the way they do it. That's by force. John the Baptist didn't do it by force. He said... You had to share free will offerings, love, charity. So, right there, where's the deception? We'll be back and we'll show you how you are deceived and who did it. Be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. 
So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we're, we're talking about this idea of you being deceived or somebody has committed fraud. That's another thing that this individual likes to bring up and a lot of other people like to bring up. And somehow we were defrauded out of our rights. Uh, we were cheated and uh, they have suckered us into these uh, constructive contracts, which, you know, I've written a whole book, uh, Covenants of the Gods, uh, which, you know, we're told to make no covenants with them nor with their gods, and their gods are their ruling judges. Those are the ones who decide what is good and evil, what is right and wrong in their society. And they make gods of men, just like Paul says, there are gods many. And that, But he also makes reference to, you know, them that say they are gods but are not. Well, we can make reference to those who say they are Jews, but are really the synagogue synagogue of Satan. That's what John says. Uh, because most Christians were Jews at the beginning. But eventually, then a lot of other people said, hey, I want some of that Christianity stuff. Because that makes sense to me. Because it was written on their hearts and their minds. And so you had Romans and Greeks and... Uh, you know, uh, including, you know, when you say Greeks, you gotta include Corinthians and all these different city states up there that people started saying, I wanna do it that way through faith, hope, and charity. I want that liberty. I will take on that responsibility and I wanna be a Christian and, and love my neighbor as myself and actually take care of the social welfare needs of my society through faith, hope, and charity the way we used to do it in ancient times. And this changed the course of the world. And even, to some degree, the course of history. Rome was still doomed. Rome was still going to collapse and fall. And, and the people were still going to cry out when, you know, the the government became totally bankrupt after being a policeman of the world for years and 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 having half of Rome on welfare at one time. Even They even tried universal health care. Uh, in Rome, where all the, you know, everybody was going to be helped out by their medical society, which actually had the same symbol of our AMA has today, you know, with a snake twirled around the, the post. All that, I mean, the same symbols are here. Now, I, I will admit that some of the, uh, uh, things that they used to, uh, heal in those days, are different than some of the things we use to heal today, but not not always as different as you would like to think. And the outcome was the same. I mean, today, you know, we we've got a lot of crazy stuff going on in the news. I actually saw Godfrey Bloom, uh, who's an MEP, you know, with the European Union, uh, talking about. Uh, uh, banks are broke because fractional reserve banking and quantitative easing is counterfeiting, uh, you know, central banks he talks about. And uh, deposit guarantees mean that uh, taxpayers are going to have to pay for the dishonesty of bankers. He just goes on and all. And, and there, there was a guy, Rosenthal, who came out and was explaining how this all worked. You can go back to Josiah Stamp, all the way back to him saying how this banking industry works and how it was meant to uh, imprison you. So, it's not it's not like it's secret. 
it, it's out there. Everyone can read it. But most people don't want to read it. They don't want to know uh, how things work. They, they, they have absolutely, you know, if there's so much inconvenient truth out there. Inconvenient for your ego. Inconvenient for your vanity. Because it, from the beginning, from the very beginning, the, the first story of the Bible about the sin of Adam and Eve, that Adam was trying to say, it's not my fault. You know, I mean, he, he discovered he did something wrong, that he was naked, which really means without authority, without personal power. And uh, that he was cutting himself off from God because he wasn't listening to God. People do that every day. God's telling you all the time, don't do this, don't do that. And you're not listening. And you make a habit out of not listening. And it gets you into more and more trouble. And then you say, I didn't know. Nobody told me. God told you. you know, just like we said in the first half. You know, this is basically obvious. You know, if, if if you get public school education where who's paying, they say, it's free education. Anytime anybody tells you you can have something for free, be very careful. Now, it's not always true that when somebody says you can have something for free, maybe you actually can have something for free. So, occasionally it might be true. But if it's somebody who exercises authority who regulates your life and controls your life or can control your life, chances are what they are offering you for free is not for free. Like all our books are free online. Of course, you have to get to a computer and download them. We don't put links on all the pages. So people want to go there and say, I couldn't find a link to, you know, your books. Uh, on well, some of the books like Covenants of God's, it's on there in HTML format as well. Although I haven't upgraded with all our, of our improvements to the book over the years, uh, there's still a lot of typos in some of the original HTML uh, coded uh, pages. But there, it's there. But we go by a policy of seeking, you shall find. So if you want to read the books, you have to kind of type into the search engine on every page. You have to type in the book, the name of the book, and then it will pop up and you can download it in PDF and, and read the book for free. So, but even then we tell you it's not going to be for free because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your delusions. <laughs> but if you're really good at deluding yourself, you can read the book and still not get it. That's the thing is the all these books were written to tell you the truth, to show you the truth, but we leave some stuff out. Now, you, you can find more of that stuff in the footnotes. There's hundreds of footnotes in every book because I can't put everything in the book anyway. But I, I put enough of the basics. I put the dots in so you can connect the dots. But if you don't connect the dots right, you're going to draw a picture that's not true. And that's, of course, what this individual uh, out there on the East Coast has been doing for years. He's been connecting dots, but he, he connects them in a way that doesn't put him at fault. It's not his fault. It's not his parents' fault. It's not his grandparents' fault. It's the government's fault. And they, back to Adam and Eve. And when God says, Adam, what have you done? 
And he says, it's not my fault. It's your fault, God. That's what, that's what he said. Now, he didn't say, it's your fault, God. But he says, the woman you gave me gave me the apple to eat. Or the, this fruit to eat. It wasn't an apple. Apples are good. <laughs> it was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which doesn't look anything like an apple. But the paintings draw an apple. So, anyway. The point is, he didn't accept the responsibility for his self-indulgent sin. And, and people are still doing that. They're not saying that I'm in bondage because I was covetous. I'm in bondage because I was slothful. They want to say I'm in bondage because they deceived me. I'm in bondage because of their deception. I'm in bondage because of their fraud. Anybody who starts off with that, they're delusional. Uh, they're not biblical. Because nowhere does Peter say, through fraud they shall entangle you again in the yoke of bondage. <laughs> he says, through covetousness, through covetous practices, you will even curse your children. And that goes for your parents and your grandparents, which makes you cursed. You cursed with what? Debt. You can't get out of the system because you owe money. You owe, you know, phony money, Federal Reserve notes. But you still owe them. Uh, and and it's not all fraud. I mean, you know, like they say, a Federal Reserve note is a fraud. What do you mean? It's a note. It says it's a note. They, I mean, these guys go to such meticulous effort to be technically correct. You know, they put on their first redeemable and lawful money. So immediately you know it's not lawful money. And then they make up a, a, a phrase to describe what it is. Legal tender. It's a legal offer. And legal means binding. So it's a binding offer. And they have published in every Black's Law Dictionary, uh, they quote from Stanick versus White, you cannot pay a debt with a note. Legal title to property is defined as not really owning it. It's not doesn't include the ownership of the property. It defines it that way for a hundred years in Black's Law Dictionary. But you go around thinking, well, I got the legal title to this. I own it. I have to pay the government every year <laughs> to stay on it or they'll take it away from me. But I own it. No, you don't own it. <laughs> you don't own the land. It's, it's, this is, where's the deception? You the, the deception is you are self-deceived. That's where the deception is. Uh, you need to see the truth of the fact that you're in bondage through covetousness. They would make you merchandise. So, where is the answer? How do you get out of this bondage? Stop coveting. First, stop coveting your neighbor's goods. But you can't even covet what you have. You have to become the antithesis of coveting. You have to become charitable. That's right. That's why those free will offerings are so important. Which, I mean, one of the words for free will offering is Corbin. Which means sacrifice. And it's a free will sacrifice. It makes the word of God to effect. Uh, uh, a 
non-free will sacrifice, a compelled sacrifice like Herod was doing and the Pharisees were doing, where you had to pay into the government coffers in the temple of Jerusalem, uh, was making the word of God to none effect. It would even be so far as that you would do ought to take care of your parents. You wouldn't do anything to take care of your parents. Or you would do less to take care of your parents. Because, I mean, they got a social security check, so you don't have to take care of them. Even though the social security check comes from a system that is totally bankrupt. Totally bankrupt. And social security has been totally bankrupt for years and years and years. Decades. Decades. And, and, you know, people... Yeah, now you could say, well, that's deception. But the people who tell you in the news that, oh, that there's enough money still coming into Social Security to pay Social Security, uh, they're just ignorant. They're not deceiving you. They're just ignorant. They, they didn't look at the Supreme Court cases, Supreme Court cases, uh, back in the 60s and, and even back in the 30s that said there is no division of the funds. So even though in their mind on the news announcement they've divided that well social security funds are separate from their central funds in reality there is no division. So if the United States is operating in, in debt which we all know it is because if, if they all admit that then social security is operating in debt. So every social security payment to your parents is borrowing money against the future of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And you are cursing them with debt because they cannot leave this system. Now, fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, all these systems are tied together by international treaties. So if you wanted to move to Sweden, you could take your debt with you. Although in Sweden, I think the debt is even higher than that of the United States. If you wanted to go to New Zealand, it's very high. Norway, it's pretty high. Uh, all these countries, you know, a child born. I just had a great, uh, a grandchild, not a great grandchild. I've got great grandchildren and grandchildren. Um, I just had one born the other day, and uh, it's born over fifty thousand dollars in debt. And if you certify the birth, you're certifying that debt. Now. We go into great detail, show you how this works in international law, has worked in Roman law for centuries. That birth registration does not bind the child. It, it connects the child. Certification connects the child to those benefits for the future. So that if, if the parents die, get hit in a car accident or something like that, the state will come in and say, well, this is one of our registered children and we have a responsibility to take that child and we'll give it to a couple over here. Uh, you know, we'll adopt it out if it's an adoptable child. Uh, and they can find a home to put it in. And they will adopt that out to, you know, maybe some gay couple or something. Because the parents never took the responsibility of making arrangements to have somebody else take care of the child. And they're used to not taking the responsibility. Uh, because the government's always handled these things for us. We used to do it in the old days when America was a free country. People made arrangements for the children to be taken care of by the community. 
But people don't do that anymore. It's the government's job. You see, and this is where the sloth comes in. You see, they're slothful in taking care of their family and the needs and the possible needs of their family. Oh, they might go out and get insurance, you know, and say, well, if I, you know, I kill an automobile accident, there will be $400,000 insurance to help take care of the child. State can still come in and take that child and give that child to somebody else because you you registered that child as a child of the state. And, and for most of you, you probably should do that because you're so irresponsible. If you didn't do that, that child would probably be in a lot of trouble. There's very few people who would take it in. I remember there was a, a family way back in North Dakota when I worked on wheat farms out there uh, half a century ago uh, or more. Um, there was a family where the parents were both killed in a car accident and they had, a, I think they had like eight kids or something. They had a lot of kids. And uh, some of the relatives said, well, we will take one or we'll take two, you know. And so they were trying to divvy up these kids with all these different relatives and they would end up living in different parts of the country. And one family who was related to them who already had like six or seven kids and uh, were, were fairly poor, hard working, but I mean, there's a lot of kids and a lot of expenses. They, did, they didn't have a lot of inheritance, very hard working, uh, did custom combining from Texas all the way up to Canada and took care of a farm themselves. They're probably rich today because they, they, they probably got the mineral rights, <laughs> got big checks for their, their oil rights. But uh, at that time, they were in a little tiny house. I mean, a tiny little house. But they were, when I went, what they did is they took in all the kids. They took in every one of the kids because they didn't want to see the kids split up. They just lost their parents. They didn't want to see them lose their brothers and sisters. This is the kind of things that was written on their hearts. And so they took all the kids. And I went over and visited him a couple of times. I did some work for him. Uh, and, uh, I mean... They're cousins by marriage. And uh, one thing I noticed in that house is you could hear the laughter <laughs> from, from three houses down the street. I mean, there was always laughter and um, but there was commotion. I mean, they had kids stacked up in this house. Uh, but that's the way we used to do it in America. Now the government sweeps in and just takes over. Now, sometimes justice is done. Often, justice is not done. I'm dealing with a case nearby where somebody was accused of something, falsely accused of something, evidently, and uh, the state's taken over the situation, taken the children away from the the widow, and uh, because of this false accusation, and is devastating their lives. And uh, is out of control and the people don't know what to do so they're calling me well how what can we do because we know this is an injustice and everything they don't even know what to do it's been they are a farm flock they've been in a fenced field for so long they don't know what to do when the coyotes come to eat them up and eat up their children well it's easy i mean a sheep's got a brain Smaller than a softball, for gosh sakes. And they know, a rain sheep knows what to do. Instinct tells them. 
come together. Form a body. You know, you don't tie all the sheep together. You don't, you don't, they just come together and they stand together. And they don't divide. They don't run here and there. They show up for each other. That's what you do. Well, we're not sheep. We're human beings. And and the sheep, they don't have to put up hay. (laughs) They got me slaving for them. Putting up hay and feeding them and watching them at night and taking care of them. Uh, So they they have me as their master. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I'm not sure that uh, they aren't my master because I'm the one doing all the work. <laughs> but because I do all the work, I get to eat one now and then. And that's the way it is with the rest of you sheep out there who are not men and women, who are not following the ways of Christ, as they get to eat you now and then. The problem is, is they are getting a tremendous appetite. And the Bible tells you in the New Testament, Be careful you do not bite one another lest you be devoured. And that's what you're doing. This is why you're in bondage. And this is what I can't get across to that guy. He still wants to blame his bondage on the world. That that it somehow, you know, like he even says, the Israelites were fully aware of their status as chattel slaves. Well, they were in a system of corvee. And they probably weren't all that fully aware, because they didn't know any better. I mean, they were they were in bondage for four hundred years. Their parents were in bondage, and so therefore they were born in this bondage. Uh, they were merchandise. You talk about chattel slaves. They were chattel in chattel servitude. It was voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is still legal in the United States. Uh, involuntary servitude is not. They can't go out and capture you and, and bring you in and put you in. But your parents were in this servitude. You were born in this servitude. You went to public schools. You got the benefits. You see, you can't even go there now without that social security number. you got to have the number to prove that you're a player. And so you're in this Corvey system of statutory slavery. It will take a miracle to get you out. But that's why you have to repent because then Christ in His grace can provide that miracle. Now, many of you may have to die in this process. Israelites died in the process and this is going to be far bigger than anything that ever happened in Egypt because it's, it's the whole world. The whole world has gone this way. It is remaking you not in the image of God but in the image of Nimrod and Cain and the evil Pharaoh, because all Pharaohs were not evil, but you're you're being remade on a daily basis. He goes on to ask, which action of their parents would those be? Because I point out that it was the actions of the parents that brings them into bondage. Well, coveting their neighbor's goods, desiring benefits, even electing. Uh, a president, which, you know, I think, go ahead, elect a president. It will serve you right. You know, because that's what that's what God told Samuel. He said, let them have a king. You know, someone who could exercise authority, president, king, what's the difference? He He's going to rule over you. I mean, yeah, you divide, you try to divide the power. And you, so you got these other 
subordinate kings. You call them senators and congressmen. But they call themselves lawmakers. So that they're, they're kings. These, this is your government. You go out and you try to elect these men because you want to get one that will do right by you personally. Now, some of you have more noble desires than others, obviously. And therefore, you will see a variety of candidates. Although, I don't see any variety in the candidates. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, like, it, I see about as much variety as you see in a bag of M&M's. <laughs> Except there are poison M&M's. I mean, they, you know, some are red and some are blue. And some are yellow and some are green. But I don't really... They're all the same poisonous M&M's in there. So, but let's let's take a look at that when we get back. And, and see what this fellow from the East is missing. Uh, I'm, I'm playing a little from the East. Is missing. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom, after another break, we'll be right back. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're we're uh, talking about being entangled again in the elements of the world. Uh, the dog returning to his vomit and the pig to his mire. And uh, that's kind of us. Now, we might be uh, not all as much pigs as we 
you know, that I might suggest. And, and that's between you and God. You have to work that out. But the fact is, the state you're in, to some degree, has to do with your approach to life. Your approach to the ways of Christ, to the gospel of Christ. Whether you even ever heard the word Christ or Jesus is insignificant, insignificant because you won't know the people by what they say, but by what they do. And what they do has to be the result of God writing upon their hearts and their minds. Whether you, whatever you want to call that God, whatever name you want to apply to him is really insignificant when you're talking about some sort of pronunciation out of your mouth. What tells me that you're listening to God is what you actually do because of what is written on your heart and your mind. Now, the individual that we've been talking about has been been uh, reading the Bible and he, he's really sharp and knows a lot about what the Bible is. But you can see that he just has this blind spot where he doesn't see. And he just doesn't get it. And even unless you spell it out for him and prove it by, you know, reading the Bible and then showing this and this and this and this and this, he's not going to get it because... He's not really having God right upon his heart and upon his mind. And and this is why he's doing exactly what Adam did. Accusing someone else for his particular state and status today. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. You know, I've been a father and a grandfather. I've heard it all from the back seat. He started it. (laughs) It's not my fault. Is she hit me first, <laughs> or whatever? Um, and we we need to have introspection and look at ourselves and what we're doing or not doing. Because see, it's not only your covetousness, but also your sloth. And now I fully admit that yea, his people for lack of knowledge you know, would have been free or would have been better off. And they lack knowledge. And so there is a place for knowledge, but you're not going to decide to follow God because you get knowledge. You have to be eating of the tree of life. and In other words, of the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, which will show you. When I wrote these books, you know, I wrote down what God was putting on my heart. And I realized much later that I left certain things out, like I said earlier in the show, uh, or in this series, that I left certain things out. So I hear people echoing back what's written in the books, and that worries me. But when I see them putting, you know, connecting those dots, and drawing the same picture that God is writing on my heart, then I know that person is a brother. A lot of people think that, oh, this is a brother because he's reciting words from the Bible that I also recite. That doesn't make you a brother. That just meant you read the same book. So, it's very important that people put this together. And when they start putting it together, that's you'll know them by the fruit of their dot connecting. <laughs> so, if... Uh, if their fruit looks like a porcupine, chances are it's not a pineapple. <laughs> it's not the fruit of Christ. 
uh, it's something else. And so anyway, you have to figure that out for yourselves. And I can't explain exactly how that works. Now, I mentioned that I sent off an email at the beginning of this particular show. And uh, those of you who hear the show later, you're not going to know where this is. But it's a Ron Paul interview back in 1997. I think if you look up Warning Ron Paul 1997 and Google it on YouTube, you'll find several copies of it. And uh, anyway, he's talking about the federal government has, in, in it's a few minutes long, seven minutes I think or something. He talks about the federal government has no jurisdiction uh, to regulate, he talks about regulators eating out our substance in the states. He says they have no jurisdiction in the states. And he's talking about how they're all becoming armed. And, you know, there's 60,000 armed federal agents going around and uh, eating out our substance. And, of course, the eating out our substance is, is, is taken from the Declaration of Independence. And, and you can see how Ron Paul would not be popular with the establishment <laughs> by the things that he says. I mean, uh, he probably thinks kickstart is a good thing. <laughs> so, but the fact is they, they do have jurisdiction. And this is one of the problems that goes back to Bundy and Finnegan and all these stuff, which I, you know, I have nothing against the guys individually, but if you're not going to see the whole truth, you're not going to be able to put on the whole armor of God. And you need the whole armor of God uh, in order to, you know, face this. Or you're going to end up like, what was that, Michael Hastings? Um, Brilliant reporter, brave son of a gun, goes out there and reveals all kinds of stuff. He's working on the biggest story ever. He's a, a reporter for a Rolling Stone magazine, I believe it was. And uh, suddenly... And they actually have video of his car going by an intersection. He goes zooming to an intersection in a straight line in his brand new car. And it it explodes, blows the engine like 70 feet away behind him. And uh, then hits a tree and, and bursts totally into flames and he's killed. He had just sent emails. He had just contacted an attorney that he was fearing the government that was pursuing him and after him. And he was working on this biggest story ever. And he's a big one for revealing corruption. He was just fearless in this way. And then suddenly he dies. Well, now, of course, immediately the news says, well, of course, the, what did they call him? The aluminum hat conspiracy theory people are going to think that he was killed by the government because he was about to expose people in the government. Uh and uh, so they're going to think that, you know, like somehow they took over his car or something. Well, the reality is, is, you know, Stanford uh, professors have done this in these new cars with the computer controlled. Some of them, you know, like the cars would park themselves and everything. You can actually take over the steering. But taking over the acceleration of a car, there's nothing to it. You hack in and do it. They've, there's lots of people who have done it. It's not a secret. I mean, it's just possible. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence surrounding this vehicle and this crash that the guy was killed. And, and, and to shut him up. And of course, whatever story he was working on, he wasn't even sharing with his wife, who actually worked for Homeland Security. And she at first thought that this was, you know, uh, uh, that they killed him. But then suddenly she becomes terribly 
paranoid and says that, no, it was just an accident and she doesn't want anybody looking into it and etc., etc., and she fears. So, if you don't think the fix is in sometimes, you're, you're naive. Uh, all conspiracies are not, you know, theories. I mean, evolution is a theory. <laughs> very little facts, very poor science. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how we all got here. Uh, I don't agree with everything Ken Ham says. I think he's a great guy. He wanted to be on my show, uh, according to his, one of his representatives. But I, I, I couldn't go along with some of the things that he was saying. <laughs> but I had all my kids reading his stuff when they were little. Uh, but I don't think he's 100% accurate. But so what, where's Ron Paul? Back to the subject. Where's Ron Paul? inaccurate when he says the federal government has no jurisdiction within the states. Well, all the uh, people living in the states are residents of the states, but citizens of the federal government. They are merchandise. They are surety for debt. They have been cursed by their parents who have spent and spent and spent and want to benefit at the expense of their neighbor. They were biting one another since back in 1930, back in 1910, when most of the people started going to public school. Uh, and they've been biting one another for a century now. And they have been devoured by the federal government. They are now surety merchandise owned by the federal government. Of course, the federal government is bankrupt, and so they're a surety for the debt of the federal government. And so foreign powers holding large numbers of Federal Reserve notes in international law have a right to come here and collect what they owe those foreign governments. And if they can't deliver on what they owe, they have a right to come with a military. And God can't help you when you cry out. That's what Samuel 8 is all about. Samuel 8 is telling you. I would encourage everybody to go read 1 Samuel 8. Because he's tell, telling you. You know, so when when did we stray? Well, there's a lot of different points. But we can at least point out that we uh, we strayed when we decided to elect a president. You know, most of the people in America were against the Constitution. They thought it was a mistake. Had it been put to a popular vote, it would have been voted down. It didn't at that time because they knew it was a mistake. Most of them thought it was a mistake. And they were right. I, I agree with them. It was a mistake. But a number of men thought they needed the Constitution. They created it. Had no idea in most cases how far it would take the American people. Although in some cases they warned us. Which is why everybody should study the anti-federalist papers. Because there they tell you some of the dangers and pitfalls of what would be possibly happening in the Constitution. I mean, Patrick Henry said, uh, who was against the Constitution, that... Uh, this document was written as if good men will take office when bad men take office. You know, men who think that kickstart is a bad idea. <laughs> uh, they will steal your rights through ambuscade. And uh, he was right, uh, but they didn't really steal them. You sold yourselves. And, of course, Benjamin Franklin talked about this. 
for benefits. You were willing to bite your neighbor and now you've been devoured in this huge, what is actually, and we have a chapter on this, the unrighteous mammon. The largest trust in the history of the world. You're bound up in that and you can't get out. And it's a core V system and your children are bound up in that and you register your children because you don't oh, hide them in the bulrushes like they did with Moses. Uh, you register their children and they become dead to you as your children and now they belong to the state. And we go through, this is why Jesus says, call no man on earth father. And we explain this, we show you the law at that time, the law in Rome, how it worked, how they were doing the exact same things you're doing today in our articles on Call No Man Father, on Rome uh, versus us. We explain all this stuff. But the point is, is that you are in bondage. And they do have a right. And they are going to betray you and turn you over to foreign powers who will come in for a variety of reasons, which I won't go into now, which is prophesied in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, warns you of this. And But I, I, I don't want to frighten you, but everything will change eventually again, over and over again, and history will repeat itself. I want you to come together because you love one another. Because you've come together because you're afraid. Those bonds won't hold. In the face of what's coming. And of course. The people in Israel were crying out. They wanted to do what God wanted them to do. They wanted to stop coveting their neighbor's goods. Uh, they, they wanted to stop. Learn what it meant to stop. Taking the straw. The benefits of Pharaoh provide for themselves and continue to pay their tally of bricks. They were willing to do that in order to be free. Not all Israelites were willing to do that. And so many of them stayed behind. But many Egyptians said, we want a piece of that. We think that's good because God was writing on their hearts. So it wasn't just Israelites who left. Egyptians left with them by, to the tune of thousands. And, and this is, you know, that's in the Bible. You know, he goes on to say this individual, uh, he, he doesn't see the fact that Moses was teaching these people how to live according to the laws of God. I mean, the Ten Commandments are all contained in the Egyptians' laws of Maat, which uh, I think there's like 67 laws of Maat, but it, the, some of those laws are thou shalt not steal thy neighbor's horse or thy neighbor's donkey or thy neighbor's cow. And so they had 67. I mean, Moses was at least uh, condensing it down to thou shalt not steal, period. <laughs> he didn't have to list off all these different things. Although he did repeat one commandment seemingly twice, according to some uh, determinations, is that you can't covet your neighbor's goods or anything that is your neighbor's and you cannot covet your neighbor's wife. And we can go into that. And we have gone into that in other recordings. The coveting is very important. Just because it's last doesn't mean that it's not important. Uh, to Romans, the fact that it was last would make it actually the most important. <laughs> because they always put the most important thing last. Um, 
so this coveting is very important that they stop coveting, stop taking the benefits. And of course, the Pharaoh was absolutely go along with that, that they would not get his straw anymore, but they would still have to turn in bricks. So they had to work twice as hard, very clearly. And they did that. And they took care of one another. And some of the plagues didn't actually end in Goshen. You know, the hail didn't come in Goshen. But everything else was going on then. The shortages of food, everything was taking place. But the Israelites were faring well. How did they fare well? Now, he says in his letter, I've read the Bible many, many times, and I never saw where, what set the Israelites free from Egypt's bondage was their willingness to help one another and the Egyptians. Well, we see as a, he says, surely you have, uh, should have little trouble, he's being sarcastic here, uh, pointing out chapter and verse. Then, right, he says, <laughs> so you can see he's being facetious. Uh, but really the whole Bible points this out. You know, because the Ten Commandments existed long before the Ten Commandments. And uh, it was just, you know, what we see as the Ten Commandments put down in those that number, ten items thou shalt not, uh, was just a reiteration of, of documents that had gone on long before. And I, I do believe that it, it was written by the hand of God in the heart of Moses and Joshua, who happened to be a stone cutter who was up on the mountain with him. Now, was it like fire coming out of the sky and carving these things into the stone tablets and all this stuff? Um, and I, that's Cecil B. DeMille's depiction of it. I don't know exactly how it took place. But I think the Ten Commandments are really key to understanding how to be a free people. Uh, I think most people don't understand the Ten Commandments, like the Sabbath thing, which has to do with debt. If you were Sabbath keepers, there would be no... Federal Reserve existing in the United States today because nobody would be operating with debt money. Because the Sabbath is all about working six days and taking your day of rest. Federal Reserve is all about taking your day of rest and then having to pay back (laughs) for the time off that you took and the free things that you got. You know, your couch is bought on time, your house is bought on time. Your children, or you go to the hospital and you pay for your children on time. So, but your your all your money is debt. No, I mean you're so far away from the kingdom now that you have to turn around. And this is what was happening in Egypt. And by those hard times, why did God harden the heart of the Pharaoh? Why didn't He said, "Let my people go"? Then, if God's God, why didn't He just say, "Okay, I told them to do this," and you know, I booming voice in the halls of Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, okay, they can go. And and the reality was that the Pharaoh wasn't even the rightful Pharaoh. Moses was the rightful Pharaoh. But Moses didn't take the people out with a military force. We're not going to take the people out with a military force either. That Jesus didn't take the people out of the bondage of Herod and his system of Corban by force. He got them to say, anybody who gets the baptism of Jesus Christ is cast out of our system. They were all opting out of their system that kept them in bondage in Judea and the rest of the Roman Empire because Judea was tied to the Roman Empire as a, as a city-state, as a city, 
you know, as a part of their Pax Romana. It wasn't conquered yet, but in a way it was conquered according to the ways of the Nicolaitans, which if you haven't read our article on that, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. So you have to go read that because I'm not going to take the time to tell you now. Go find that out. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later. You're in this bondage because you were covetous and slothful. And the Israelites were in the bondage of Egypt because they were covetous of their brother, Joseph. And therefore, they ended up going into bondage. From generation to generation, they remained in bondage. So why would you think that God would lead them out of bondage? I mean, they were crying out, but were they changing? I mean, if you just whine loud enough, God's not going to save you. He's not going to bring the miracles that are going to set you free. Just as you whine a lot. You have to repent. You have to start thinking differently. It's very clear that the Israelites began to think differently. Otherwise, they wouldn't have lasted a week in the desert. <laughs> I mean, you got people having to pack up everything. The old people, the young people, the sick people, everything. And leave Egypt and cross the desert. And now some people argue, oh, we don't even know that that happened. Well, there's all kinds of evidence that it happens. The, the chronology of the modern Egyptologist is incorrect. And there's a lot of people that have been going into that, but it's hard to get them to change their minds. But, there, you know, there was a mass migration of a large number of people, especially from the area of Goshen, and they moved across some of the most inhospitable country in the world and became a thriving, wealthy, healthy society because they actually were following the ways of God, the prophets, and, and men who, who even like Plutarch and Polybius, as well as Jesus Christ, have been telling us for years. Modern Christians aren't following that way. They're following the ways of Nimrod. They all have benefactors who exercise authority, just like the Pharaoh, who gives them their straw, their, their health care, their welfare, their social security. Social security is welfare. Public schools is welfare. They're all socialist systems whereby men who exercise authority one over the other take from your neighbor, whether he's rich or poor, they take from him and provide you with benefits. That's what Egypt said. Well, you know, you will, I will provide grain for you in hard times, but you belong to me. A portion of everything you make has to go to me. This is how you got into bondage. It wasn't a secret. They were telling you how to do it. There are people in America today that are exempt because they didn't go that way. It's a very small number of people. They have some other problems, but they didn't go that way. You have to change your thinking. If you can't see that coveting your neighbor's goods has made you merchandise, and you tell me that you've read the Bible several times, you're telling me that you got a serious problem with perception. Because Peter says it. Proverbs says it. Psalms says it. 
Jesus said it. John the Baptist says it in Matthew. Uh, how come you can't get it? Moses said it. Love thy neighbor as yourself. What do you think that looks like? Does that look like you sending swarms of officers to your neighbor's house and your residence and your neighbor's wife to force them to labor daily so that you can have benefits free? How in the heck is that Christian? How in the heck is that according to the Mosaic Law? How is that according to the words of John the Baptist? How is that according to... Anything that is righteous. You can't see that 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 whining wasn't what why God sent Moses to help set these people free. It was the fact that they were beginning to think differently. And if you go into Philos, he's very specific. They were filling each other's water vases. Those vases were water purification deals. They still use in that area made of clay, fired at about 800 degrees that you could pour water into and water would drip out. It's like a Berkey water filter. And that water would drip out and you could drink that water. And they knew how to make those because of the area that they were in. And they shared that water with Egyptians, which Egyptians said, this is why they loved them at the end, why they showered them with gifts is because they were the faith emergency ministry auxiliary of Moses for the people, their own people, and for the Egyptians. If you're not building a network of people to be that faith emergency ministry auxiliary now, then you are not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You are not following Jesus Christ or the ways of the early church established by Jesus Christ. And that's why we created the network. So that you could join together and start taking care of one another and the stranger in your midst through faith, hope, and charity. And the way to do that without binding yourself up into some sort of corporate church structure is to freely assemble in small groups, like ten families, what we call the tens, or, the, or they used to call the tunes, uh, the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Small groups. Pick somebody who is the closest thing to the character of Christ who actually shows up and does his job, which is to connect you with all the other congregations. And start helping one another out. Start helping people in your community. It is not going to be hard to find people who need help. But then you're going to have to learn how to help them in a loving way that strengthens them. And we'll talk more about that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, I was, during the break, I prepare what I might be talking about the next half. Because I don't begin these shows knowing exactly what I'm going to be talking about. But I, I, I was just going over this individual's letter, which I, did, I didn't even read till this morning. But this is what I, 
I thought this would be a good jumping off place. Uh, now I sent to the, to our network groups a couple of articles that really kind of explain a lot of this stuff. Uh, and also give you additional evidence, you know, uh, concerning like the temples of Rome, uh, which were all pagan temples, right? These temples of Rome were pagan temples and of course Christ came preaching the, the wisdom of Christ and everything. But now there was a temple in Jerusalem too. And, uh, and, and Jesus, the, you know, the apostles were all impressed by it and they, they were trying to show it off to Jesus and he was evidently not very impressed by it. And once you start understanding that the, uh, David started building the first stone temple, but then he put it off because David was a king after God's own heart. God never wanted us to build a stone temple. He doesn't want us to build a temple in Jerusalem now. And Jerusalem isn't even Jerusalem. Jerusalem is double peace. That's when peace is in your heart and in your mind. Uh, that's, that's Jerusalem. When you're you're coming into peace with God in your heart and your mind, and you're uh, in order when you're doing that, God will be able to write upon your heart and your mind and tell you where to go and where to be and what to do and and it may save you, but it may allow you to save others, which will save you even great greater because Jesus warns you: don't worry about those who can kill the body. But worry about those who kill the soul. And and our souls have been being strangled daily. Not by the uh, fraud of banksters. But by the covetousness and sloth of our own hearts. That's what strangles us. Spiritually. Because adversity actually can bring growth. You know, like... Uh, I load a couple tons of hay every day. I pick it up, stack it up, pick it up, feed it out, pick it up, carry it over, and and feed it to other animals. So, I mean, I move sometimes the same bale three times the same day. (laughs) And uh, I'm an old man. (laughs) But uh, it keeps me fit. Uh, Fit is, uh, I'm actually fitter than most young men. Although I'm beginning to feel that I'm an old man from time to time. But uh, uh, this guy goes on, you know, and I, I state that uh, we're, it, the Bible tells us that we will curse our children. And of course, they're sealed in this bondage now. They can't just write a letter and say, I want out. Because they're sealed in trillions of dollars of debt. Uh, which is a part of one of the most unrighteous mammons. Once you understand that mammon, I said I'd talk a little bit more about it. Mammon is entrusted wealth. That's what mammon means. The original word mammon means. And you're entrusted. Your land is entrusted. Your children are entrusted as surety for debt, which the Bible talks about from the beginning to the end. Be not surety for debt. And, and this is the... The, the largest unrighteous mammon in the history of mankind that we know of. Uh, he goes on, and I said, there's no way out of this servitude. And he says, not necessarily. Uh, you are aware that the Icelandic, uh, Iceland did uh, to their bankers, he goes on. And you can Google it. I'm aware of it. But, you know, I'm also, you know, 
aware of people in Iceland. Iceland is not free. <laughs> They're not free souls under God. They they did arrest bankers and everything, and they, it was very difficult. But they're very con- controlled economy. You can certainly try that if you want, but that is not going to solve the problem because you're still the people are still just as covetous of one another's benefits. Now, there was some noble things in that action in Iceland, just as there will be noble things during the economic collapse in the United States. But it's not going to be found where this fellow keeps looking. Because he keeps looking to blame other people. Uh, And I go on to say, no one can honestly claim ignorance of the fact that all these government benefits provided to the people come by way of those who exercise authority one over the other. And and his response is of course they can. Uh, they can. They can't honestly claim ignorance. He says that he's educated himself, but the reality is, is everybody knows how public school is funded. If you're claiming ignorance, it's because you choose to be ignorant. You You know it's funded because... The government threatens to take away the home of everybody who lives in your county and state if they don't contribute on a regular basis, pay their property tax on a regular basis to the government. If you don't pay in on your federal income tax to the government that supposedly also offers federal funding for your local schools just so that they can have control, federal control over your local schools. And we see that. They want to control the speed limit signs, everything. And they can because they're funding it. You're sitting and eating with a ruler. And Americans have done so with great appetite. And, but we were told 3,000 years ago that such rulers serve deceitful meats, deceitful dainties. It's in the Bible that he says he's read several times. But his parents sat down and ate with rulers. I, I have little doubt that he went to public school. That that doesn't take place, you know, without having a cause and effect. I, I say there is no deception except the fact that we are self-deceived. We deceive ourselves in our own hearts and minds. We want to think that it's okay because it's the government. But if you go back and, like I said, everybody should go read Samuel 8. Samuel, 1 Samuel 8. When they wanted to have a ruler who could exercise authority, it was called by God a rejection of him. That's not because they've rejected you, Samuel, but because they've already rejected me. So everybody who's looking for a political solution have already rejected God. Now, I know there's varying degrees of that. But basically, you're thinking, if we get the right king, ruler, then things will get okay. No, they won't. They won't get okay. For one thing, you won't get the right ruler because you've created an office of power. And and God says, now explain to the people, and it's in this Bible, this book that 
mentions government 700 times and religion five times. It tells you that if you, you go this way, you want to have this ruler who can exercise authority one over the other. This is what's going to happen. He's going to take and take and take and take and take and take and take. Whole chapter there of take and take and take and take and take. So where's the surprise? Where's the deception? You've been told this. He's read the Bible, he said, multiple times. Where's the deception? Common sense will tell you. If you give, a, Jefferson told us, if you give a government the power to provide you everything you want, you're also giving them the power to take away everything you have. You know, I paraphrase that a little bit, but that's basically what he said. So, if you don't think that electing a leader is going to do this, now I know a lot of you want to go out there and elect a leader who's going to take less. <laughs> and, and I commend you for that. But the fact is, is you're outnumbered. I mean, you're, you, you're still thinking that you can go to the voting booth with the forces of Moldor <laughs> and win the election. Uh, you, you've given the right to vote to goblins <laughs> and, uh, whatever the other guys are there that, that, and they outnumber you. And of course, you know, way back, I mean, you know, 2,000 years, 3,000 years ago, and writings about democracy, they tell you that this is what's, once the, the masses realize that they can vote themselves benefits out of the government coffer, the government is doomed. The, the nation is doomed. The society is doomed. And, and people have realized that. And they're open about it. And they're honest about it. And, you know, and we see the, the newsmen interviewing, you know, uh, the different socialists, young, usually a lot of young people and everything. And they say, oh, yeah, that's, this is great. We should take from the rich and give to the poor and everything. Um, you know, that's not really what, uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't what Robin Hood was doing. He was taking from the tax collectors, <laughs> giving to the poor. He didn't take from everybody who was rich. He took from the tax collectors who were abusively taking from the poor. <laughs> but anyway, in in the uh, if you're on the network, which everybody should be on the network, and you should be on the network for the purposes of gathering together and forming that network of tens, and and, and we're going to kind of uh, make it a, a a policy that if you're if you volunteered as a a personal contact. I heard an interesting statistic today. You know, there were thousands of employees by the BLM, and they have thousands of volunteers working for the BLM. <laughs> now, this was a story that was also, and and it was on Facebook, and and they mentioned that as a statistic, and then they said that they're going to show a video next. Uh, although it wasn't included on this little video on, on Facebook, uh, of a meeting where uh, BLM employees are laughing and joking about how they're stealing land by the millions of acres uh, from Americans and veterans. And uh, they think it's funny and great, and they're getting applause. And it was secretly filmed. And, uh, well, if you want to see the video, we have it up on our website. And uh, I sent the link off. 
so that people can go see it. And uh, the fact is, this is what's going on behind the scenes. Because of a spirit flowing through the people where they think things like kickstart is a bad thing and bigger, more powerful government is a good thing. Which is why you see people, you know, I know people that are, are going to vote for Trump. Um, and I think that's great. Of course, I, I, I know people that are going to vote for Bernie Sanders and they think that's great. <laughs> I tell you, it doesn't matter. Both of them, I can, I can, will take you down a road to destruction. Because both of them are a rejection of God. Because you're not doing it for yourself. You're not taking care of one another. You're still depending upon those farm fences to keep you safe. And you're not learning the ways of rain sheep. You know, the, the rain sheep could leave uh, our place anytime they want out there on the desert. Because the fences don't go all the way around. It might be a little difficult in places, but... The llama leaves. <laughs> he walks away all the time. Comes back, but he walks away. Um, but uh, the uh, the point is, is that you need to change your thinking. You need to repent. That's what repentance means. Change your thinking. And one, and you don't realize you can't just change this in your mind in one minute. You have to actually walk the walk. And one of the ways to walk the walk is uh, to start gathering together. Do not forsake the gathering together, the coming together, the assembling of yourselves together in free assemblies where you remain volunteer, volunteers all the time. If, I mean, if the BLM can get thousands and thousands of volunteers, why can't we get thousands of volunteers to pursue the ways of Christ, the ways of Moses, the ways of Abraham, which is the ways of free will offerings to take care of all the needs of your society. All the welfare of your society. Now, you don't even know how to do that yet. You know, if you guys all came together like the sheep on the range, yeah, you wouldn't do it the same way they did it. And you should see them when they do it. I Maybe I'll video that and show you how it does it. I'll, I'll get a border collie to dress up like a coyote. <laughs> and you'll see how they gather together. Um... This this fellow he you know I, I say some feel uh, the sting of the whip and the the bite of their masters and are beginning to wake up they cry out I go on to explain but they don't know what to do the people want some people if people want to deny the truth they often claim uh, that this modern bondage is not their fault but the result and and some of some sort of fraud. And it's not. The only fraud is is that you're not really a Christian and you keep claiming to be one. Or you're not really a Jew. I mean, if you're a Jew, you're following Moses. If you'd follow Moses, you'd be halfway to Christ. But if you're not even going to follow Moses, you know, I mean, look, look at Israel. They're not following Moses. I mean, most of them as a nation, as a government, as a Zionist, they're not following Moses. They have heavy progressive income tax, which is usury. They have, they've had iron coin for decades and decades and decades, which is not just weights and measures. They're a socialist nation, so they do covet their neighbor's goods. So they're not even keeping the Ten Commandments. Now, there are some great people there, just as there are great people in America and great people in Canada and great people in Australia that may not be far from the kingdom. I'm not interested in governments. I'm not interested in government politics. 
I'm interested in what is moral and right. The evils of tyranny are rarely seen but by him who resists it. Well, this was John Hay said this back in 1872. And it's not really true. Uh, the evils of tyranny. Uh, he, What is that? He thinks the evils of tyranny is feeling that whip. Feeling that pain. Feeling that oppression. And and you don't feel it until you resist against it. And then they, they give you a good smack. But the evils of tyranny is being a tyrant. <laughs> That's the evil of tyranny. Because that kills the soul. So the evil of tyranny is the fact that you are forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. By applying for benefits from men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority. And at the same time you're doing this, you're claiming, you're claiming to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. That's fraud. (laughs) There's your fraud. You're not really a following Christ because you're not doing, because he said it wasn't to be that way with you. You weren't to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. It's not to be that way with you. But it is that way with you. He says, when he, and this is when he appoints the kingdom to the apostles, which is the church, he was telling him, you, you must provide the benefaction of your society those benefits of society, the Eucharist of society, through faith, hope, and charity and that perfect law of liberty. Through love. You know, when Jesus said it, they translate it love. When Paul says it, they translate it charity. Same word. If you're not doing that, if you don't have a daily ministration to take care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the world, which is the constitutional order and systems of government you have created for yourself, which are taking and taking and taking and taking. If you can't do that for your congregation, you ain't there yet. But of course, that's why he says seek it. That's what you should be seeking. And that's why you should be gathering together, forming these tens, hundreds and thousands. Gathering together. I can't do it for you. I can't say, okay, you ten guys, one, two, three, four, five, you guys get together. Okay, you ten guys, you get together. And then I appoint, okay, this will be your leader. This will, You have to do this yourself. You And this is why we created the email network. So you can get to meet these people, get to know them, and gather together. But if you're going to be like this guy who wants to blame you know, fraud and deception. It's the government's fault. And and not look at your sloth, your covetous. Now, this guy doesn't take a lot of benefits from the world, from from what I understand. I don't, I don't know all the details. I don't know if he took care of his parents. I think his parents are dead. Uh, he's, he was living in the home that him and his brother inherited. And he had some dispute with his brother and... And it gets all complicated. But the point is, is that, I mean, his parents got those benefits. They didn't want to see it. And and this is what was prophesied, that people wouldn't see it. And they lack knowledge. Now, I know out there, there are many of you, 
I, I've, I've run across people who, who haven't got a clue about what I'm talking about. But in their hearts, I see them say things, oh, I'll never apply for Social Security. And they don't want to send their kids to public school. They want to teach them themselves. They, they don't want to be on unemployment. If they lose their job, and people say, well, you can go down and get unemployment. They don't want to do it. They get, they find another job. Uh, if they lose, you know, they have expenses that they weren't expecting. They sell stuff. They cut their, you know, back. They don't want to be a burden to anybody, but occasionally people need help. Well, all those people have those traits of what we call kingdom tracks. They should be gathering together. Not just to help one another out, though. Because they have to be the Samaritans of the world. The, the faith emergency ministry auxiliary to the world. That, that is where the miracle is going. Because it doesn't work if you just love one another. You have to love those who don't love you. This is what grace have you if you do not love those. If you only love those who love you. What grace have you? And you're going to need that grace. Because that's where the miracles come from. Uh, you need to change. It's not just not taking benefits. You have to become the benefit of your society. That means you're going to have to do a little overtime. Just like the Israelites who had to pay their tally of bricks. But then they had to start taking care of one another with that extra burden. And that strengthened, that adversity strengthened them. It taught them how to come together. And the sheep out in the field, when they face the bobcats and the coyotes, and now evidently wolves from Canada, brought in by the federal government, and brought them into our midst and are running around and have evidently killed sheep, uh, and are now mating up. in our area, uh, it's going to make the sheep stronger. It's going to, we're already making preparations to provide greater and greater protection, both for our sheep and our sheep are learning to provide and, and work together more efficiently. And so that adversity is making us stronger. problem is if adversity comes too quickly, and it will come quickly, most of you are ill-prepared. That's why you need to start gathering together now in real congregations, real free assemblies, bound by nothing but love of the way of Christ. And then as you go, you will learn to love one another. Not just in your local congregation, but in your congregations of congregations. Your ministers will congregate together and form this natural but invisible network. Another important aspect that is only operating according to the Spirit of Christ. If you're not doing that, if you're just sitting around reading the Bible and boasting about how you know how wicked they are, instead of realizing how wicked you have been, how slothful you have been, then how how is there going to be any salvation for you? How can there be any grace for you? This is why Jesus focuses so much on forgiveness and giving. Because this is how it works. There is no actionable fraud. He he goes on and he insists that there is. There really isn't actionable fraud that's going to set you free. The fraud you need to see is the fraud that you have perpetrated. 
upon your own hearts and thinking that you got it already. You must realize you didn't see. And then God will give you vision to see. And you will need that. (laughs) Until then, may peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.